copyrighted program created by Rio Gandhi. Police calling all cars, attention all cars, object 181, regarding a missing person. Described as a male American, 38 years. About 5 feet 10 inches, 150 pounds. Last seen at 5.15 a.m., September 25th. Maybe a murder. That's all. Go first. Grande Crack Gasoline exclusively to supply all city requirements. Now, Grandale and Buckeye, bustling Arizona community, choose Rio Grande Crack Gasoline in preference to all other gasoline for power, speed, economy, and police car performance. Here is the imposing roll call of cities and counties to specify Rio Grande Crack Gasoline for all emergency assistance. Los Angeles, Oakland, Berkeley, Marysville, Fresno, Santa Barbara, Pasadena, Monterey Park. Rangola, Linwood, Colton, San Diego, Phoenix, Glendale, Buckeye, Las Vegas, Orange County, San Diego County, Santa Barbara County, Maricopa County, Coconina County, and many, many other cities and counties. We believe you will agree that this is the strongest testimony, the most valuable endorsement, the most conclusive proof of gasoline superiority that has ever been presented to you. Rio Grande delivers a superior type of performance because it alone, of all gasoline sold in the West, can be refined by the patented and internationally famous Sinclair refining process. Get police car performance in your car tomorrow from your Rio Grande dealer. It is our pleasure to again present F.K. Hopkins, Inspector of Detectives of the Los Angeles Police Department. Inspector Hopkins. It is the purpose of this program to bring home to every prospective wrongdoer the fact that crime in any form doesn't pay. Law enforcement officers cannot look behind the crime to find an extenuating circumstance or a good motive to excuse the breaking of the law. It makes no difference how worthy a motive a man may have in breaking the law. When he breaks it, he becomes a criminal. And it is the duty of every officer to make him reject his act. In the case of the man whose story we are to hear tonight, the motive, while perhaps worthy, was nevertheless the cause of his attempt to commit fraud, to rob the firm of money which should not have been obtained. In the commission of this crime, he paid the extreme penalty. He learned too late that crime does not pay. afternoon of a beautiful spring day in the little town of Santa Maria, California, two young people are leaving the administration building of the Hancock Foundation School of Aeronautics. Look, Lorraine, at last I've got it. I've got the thing I've been working for for so long. I'm a transport pilot, Lorraine. Do you know what that means? Oh, I'm glad, darling. You worked so hard to get that certificate. Three long years. Oh, they've been glorious years, Lorraine, because of you. Have you forgotten all those other things, Charles? I'll never completely forget them. Please believe me, dear, but... 
I don't love you any less because I can't forget my love for her. You wouldn't be you if you did forget, darling. After all, it isn't so strange that a man should love the memory of his wife. And I'm not jealous, mm, dear. Please don't ever be. And please don't ever tell me there's anyone else you love. Oh, Shelley, there never could be anyone else. Well, I've got to go in now. Goodbye, dear. I'll see you tonight. You, but they feel, well, uh, and Dad feel that you should try to do something besides just stay around here and stamp in your place. But Lorraine, I don't have to work. I've got enough for us to get by on, and I'll pick up a transport job before you know it. Charles Belknap, you're not trying to tell me that you're content to live off your brother all your life. Of course not. I'll pay it all back when I get my transport job. Look, Lorraine, I have a good education. I can fly. I'm not afraid to do anything that needs doing. But why should I try to tie myself down to just dollar jobs? I've got to be active. I've got to be doing things that call for something else than just routine. Oh, no, darling. But I can't go around telling everybody that you're too good for the jobs they have for you here in Santa Maria. Can't you see that, dear? Oh, I suppose so. All right. I'll get out. Oh. I'll get out and get a job, any kind of a job. I'll get a job digging ditches and making roads or something so your precious family can say, don't you just love Charles Callison? Charles, that's not being very fair. Are you being fair? Who am I supposed to be in love with, anyhow? You or your family? Okay, I'll get a job. I'll satisfy them. And Charles Selmack, transport pilot, got a job. A job digging ditches and building roads. A job that paid a mere hundred dollars a month. You the foreman on this job? Yeah, what is it? I got a truckload of prisoners out there ready to go to work. I'll add and load them and tell them to get picks and shovels. Put part of them over there on that shoulder and send the rest of them over to help in that ditch. And it'll get calluses. Calluses. <laughs> I got them all right. What good are doing me? Ah, oh, I'm quitting this cockeyed job right now. Arrange and tell a family to take a long run and jump into... Hey, Shorty, yeah. come here. Yes, yes, Mr. Summer. Look, I'm leaving here. Uh, now, see? I'm quitting. You're in charge from now on. Where are you going? What are you going to do? What about this check? Tell old man Ketch to take it and shove it on his throat. Once again, the name of Charles Felmack figures in Bureau of Air Commerce Records as his pilot license is suspended for three months for violation of low flying regulations. Then, one morning in the spring of 1933, in front of a house on South Sycamore Street in Los Angeles. Good morning. I'm Dr. Hunter. I live next door. I saw your picture in the paper this morning. Flying pretty low yesterday, weren't you? Oh, I don't know. Just trying to have a little fun. Get rather tired from just flying around, looking at the scenery. Did you see me? Yes, I was just bringing my boat down from Santa Barbara. Happened to be opposite the pier when you set your ship down on the sand. Right with it, damn sand. <laughs> well, I won't be doing that for three months, anyway. Is that why you're thinking of buying Mrs. Smith's car? Yeah, I want something to get down to the beach with. I like to swim. Well, why don't you come down with us Sunday? We're going to take a little sail down to the island and back. You'll like it. Do you mean it? Well, of course. We'd be glad to have you come. And out of that meeting grew a friendship that ripened and grew as the weeks grew into months. Hey, Doc. Hey. How about any of that drowning you have? It's a neat little gun, and I'm getting awfully rusty in my cow shooting. I'd like to take it with me when I drive down to the beach and do a little target practice. Sure, it's target practice you want to do? Sure, what else? <laughs> you don't think I want to shoot myself, do you? Mm, it hasn't been done. Not by me. I'm having too much fun. Uh, seen Dolores lately? Yeah, I saw her yesterday. Got a date to go to the beach tonight. Good-looking girl, Dolores. Serious about it? Yeah. Why should I tie myself down to any one woman? I like Dolores. I have a lot of fun. That's all there is to it as far as I'm concerned. Well, how about her? How does she feel about it? Just like I do? Why? 
Oh, nothing. I just remembered that she didn't look so pleased when you told her you'd been out with Teddy. So Lois has many reason to be jealous of Teddy or anyone else. I hope she realizes that. Why are you downhearted tonight, Charlie? Who? Me? Oh, I'm not downhearted. Never felt better in my life. Well, why didn't you act that way, then? I'm uh, just thinking, that's all. What about? I'm worried about something that happened last night. What was it? I'd uh, like to talk about it. Didn't amount to anything. Some guy stuck a knife in my shoulder. Charlie, you, you mean someone stabbed you? Did you report it to the police? No, I'll take care of it myself. I don't want any help from anybody. Do you think it was one of Teddy's boyfriends? I don't know, but I'll find out. And when I do, there'll be trouble around here. Almost a week later, the manager of the apartment house in which he lives receives a telephone call from Dolores. Well, I'm sorry, but Mr. Stelmack doesn't answer. I'm sorry, No, but the only way I have is to go up and see if he's asleep or something. Well, wait a minute, now I'll ask the houseboy if he's seen him. John! Oh, John, have you seen Mr. Selmack today? No, ma'am, I haven't seen Mr. Selmack since Tuesday. He came in drunk and I saw him staggering in his apartment Tuesday about 5 o'clock. I went to clean the apartment about 10 o'clock, but he said, go away, my head hurts. Not to clean it that morning. He came back in the afternoon and told me. Oh. Uh, hello, Miss Valori. The houseboy says he hasn't seen Mr. Selmack since Tuesday morning about 5 o'clock. Mr. 
Shelma never gave us a bit of trouble. He just came in and went out, and the only time we saw him was when he paid his rent. Oh, well, here we are. Uh, this door sticks a little, too. Uh, oh, what's the number of this apartment? It's apartment 408. Uh, anyone in there know? Well, only the young man from the newspaper. What? Well, uh, I thought it'd be all right for money. He wanted to get some pictures. He said it'd be awfully hard to get them after the police came. Never yeah, mind. Let's go in. Well, the gentleman of the place. Hi, Gazy, Los Angeles. Nice juicy murder. Gang killing, maybe, huh? Maybe. Ordered anything? Now you know me better than that. Well, that's why I asked you. Well, did you? No, nope. just as you see it when I walked in, except for the lady. She couldn't wait. What lady? Oh, he means Mr. Lawrence. He was the one who came up with me this morning. He had a date with Mr. Shellmatch to go to Pomona. Pomona? For the fair, Sandy, you know. Right. Who is this Dolores person? Well, she's one of Mr. Shelmoth's girlfriends. He's been here before, but she never came in. Who said girlfriends? How many did he have? Well, there's Miss Dolores and Teddy and Lorraine and... Oh, yes, Dolores. Hmm. You know where they live? No, but they've all left their phone numbers from time to time when they called up Mr. Shelmoth. Well, that's going to help. Look, how about checking those phone numbers with a lady here and... Finding out what these women know about the late Mr. Selmack. Assuming that he is the late Mr. Selmack. Hmm. Funny he didn't have any pictures lying around. Funny? <laughs> that one's here, isn't he? I resent that, Sandy. Go ahead. See if I guess. Where are those pictures? Out in the kitchen while we set them up to make copies of them. Why all the consideration? Why didn't you get the original? Thought you might like to have them to trace the murderer. Oh. If there is a murderer. What do you mean, if? Oh, yes, yes. Why, this is the sweetest murder job you ever saw in your life. What are you talking about? What makes you so sure of that, Johnny? Look, here's an apartment all ransacked. Furniture knocked all over the place, enough blood to make a stage show, bullet holes in the wall. Where? Right over there on the west wall by the door. Well, nice little fellow, isn't it? Mm hmm. About a, about a 32, isn't it? Mm hmm. Then threw something, too. Sure, a body. Nice. Double up, and I'm still right. Maybe. Out of blood around this joint. Mm, too much for a guy that's been bumped off. Maybe he wasn't as anemic as some of us. Speak for yourself, Tommy. Oh, uh... I'll get it, Mr. Devlin. Okay, go ahead. Talk to the old man wanting to know where the heck my story is. Now, who are Mr. Stelman's not in? Well, I'm not expecting him today, you know. Who? Doris. Uh, yes, I'll tell him. I'm Lieutenant Geezy, Police Department. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Boy, did she hang up in a hurry. What did you expect her to do? Make a day? Oh, shut up. Find anything, Sandy? Yeah. Pipe, loosely packed with tobacco, bunch of letters, and a suit of clothes. A suit of clothes? Mm hmm. Seems to have had two of everything. Two pair of shoes. No one's there in the closet. Perry probably has on. Here's a good suit, just one. An old shirt with a small tear on the sleeve. Probably blood. Here's a reference to it in this letter. Where's it from? Fellow named uh, Gillette from San Francisco. It says, uh, sorry to hear about the fight. You've got to be more careful. Hope the cut in your shoulder gets all right soon. Guess that explains the tear in the shirt. Funny he didn't have it sewed up. Yeah, awfully funny. Oh, well, what do you think, Sandy? Suicide. What? Hey, what's the matter with you guys? Are you nuts? Is the place a murder a guy ever saw and you walk in and say suicide? Where's the body? How bright where is it? What does that prove? Are you trying to tell us that some bird walked in here and wrecked this joint, shot Selmash and carted his body away without anybody seeing him? Stranger things have, haven't you? No, not in Los Angeles, they haven't. Gee, God, Sandy, you're going to stand there and let this bird call this a suicide? I call it a suicide, Tommy. Oh, then you're both nuts. Look, here's the way this thing happens. I've been reading these letters, and don't forget, I talked to this Dolores thing. Here's the way this thing took place. Some bird walks up and rings this guy's bell. He goes to the door, opens it, and there's Teddy's boyfriend, or some mug who's at the cell match. 
This guy slams the foot in the door and the fight for it. Finally, the bird gets in. And there's a fight in the appointment. The table goes over. Turn that lamp. This bird goes out again. Let's tell Mac have one. That doesn't do the job. This fellow Tell Mac is a tough baby. Is a tough baby? Was a tough baby. Shut up and listen. Then they fight some more. All over the place. Slugging and going out of hammer and tongs. Out in the kitchen. Bumping into the stove. Back across the bed. Here in the bathroom. Finally, this bird slugs Tell Mac and knocks him out. Stand there a minute or two. And he uses this guy's Tell Mac up. Carries him out. Dumps him in a car. Covers him up with a blanket. Gets in and gives him a gun. Okay, there's your crime. What do you say now? Suicide? You ought to be a writer, nuts. Five days later, in the Malibu substation of the sheriff's office, Captain Ryan receives a report. Okay, Cap. There's your report on the dead body Dr. Dostal found on the beach. Yeah. Man about 38 to 40. Haven't been in the water in five days. Yeah. Shot through body, just below chest, swollen left arm near wrist, cut on arm, upper tricep, blue trousers, no shirt. Find any gun? No, there's a sedan parked up in the road about half a mile from where the body was found. Has some blood stains on it. Uh, we found a briefcase in the road. I see. Goggles. Helmet and scarf. Any marks on them? Uh, yeah, where is it? Yeah, here's the name. Charles Hillman. 119 East Morrison Avenue, Santa Maria, California. Hell, man. Uh, hey, you don't suppose that could be the man reported missing by the Los Angeles police, do you? It could be. Well, I think I'll give him a ring. Sanderson speaking. Yes. And Mr. Abbott? Yes. And Mr. Daphne? 
Have you any friends who might have wished to kill Mr. Stelmach? Well, no, certainly not. Uh, were there any reasons why anyone could have been jealous of Mr. Stelmach? I mean, in his relations with you? No one. Mrs. Yarwood has told us that you had a little unpleasant experience with Mr. Stelmach. Is that true? Well, Mr. Stelmach borrowed my car to drive to Santa Barbara. When he returned to speedometer, said the car had been driven 400 miles and the generator had been burned out. He said he'd fixed the car, but he never did. I called him several times about it, but he never did anything about the car. Did you say 400 miles? Yes, sir. Yeah, just about took the trip he made to Santa Maria to see his girlfriend. He didn't have a girlfriend in Santa Maria. That's what you think. Then he lied to me. That's possible. That's all, Miss Cassie. Dr. Hatter. Yes? Take your name and occupation. Frank Hunter, physician and surgeon. You knew Charles Stelmach? Very well. Did he... Uh, did you lend him a gun? Yes, sir. About eight months ago. I asked him for it several times. And what did he say? He said, uh, what's the matter? You don't think I'm going to shoot myself, do you? What sort of a gun was it? A Browning mate, 32 caliber automatic. Did Charles Stelmach ever discuss uh, suicide with you? Only to say that he thought it took a lot of nerve, and that he thought narcotics might help. You know to use narcotics? I would say that he did not. Did he tell you of a stab wound? Yes. About a month ago, he told me he'd been attacked by two men and stabbed. You dressed the wound? I did not. Did you offer to do so? No. I told him he should have it attended to, but he seemed reticent about discussing it. Is there anything you'd like to add to your testimony? No, sir. Paul Wilson Gillette. Mr. Gillette. Take your name and occupation. Wilson Gillette, writer and journalist. You knew Charles Stomach? Very well. He was my best friend. You know the reason why he should commit suicide? There was no reason in the world. You know of anyone who might want to take his life? He wrote me once he was being troubled by a man who was following him at night. He said this man was a friend of some woman he had met, and that he was afraid he was going to have trouble with the man. In your opinion, did Charles Stelmach commit suicide or was he murdered? I most certainly believe that he was murdered. Furthermore, it seems to me the police department have done very little except attempt to prove that the man has committed suicide. But it is obvious to everyone that he was murdered. That's all I have to say. Mm, Lieutenant Sanderson. State your name and occupation. Roy Sanderson, Homicide Bureau of the Police Department. Will you state the details of this case, you know them? On September 30th, Charles came in on a missing person. Relayed to the Central Homicide Detail. It was reported that blood stains and other evidence of violence were discovered. I was detailed to the case along with Detective Hurst and Jesus. Now, why did you conclude that Charles Stelmach committed suicide? Well, in the first place, when we got to the apartment, we found evidences of a disturbance. Yet our questioning of other tenants didn't disclose anybody who'd heard of the disturbance. No one had heard a shot either, so it must have been muffled. On the floor, and at least five feet from an overturned table, was a pipe. It had evidently been knocked off, and it was loosely packed. No tobacco had been filled. Remember that, gentlemen. Ah. Uh. had been knocked over. Yet when it was set up right, the board still burned. It hadn't been broken. We found the bullet from a 32 caliber gun embedded in the mopboard. It wasn't in the wall very deeply. Test showed that it hadn't struck with much force. Dr. Hunter stated that the gun he left Shellmack would have acted in just such a manner as the bullet passed through any substance, say an arm or hand. Did you find any blood stains? Yes. Here's some photographs of the apartment showing the blood stains on the floor and the walls. This X marks the spot where the largest stain appears. This X marks the spot where the bullet was found. You'll see by this white line here, the shot came from about waist high. Followed this course to the mop board here. How do you explain this large blood stain? Someone stood there while blood dripped straight down from an injury and did something with his other hand. What might that action have been? Might have been wrapping a towel around the gun. Was there any injury on the body of a child's cell, Mike, that would indicate that he had been shot or injured in any manner as the cause of these stains? Yes. Yes, he had a small cut on his left wrist. Also an injury that may have been a gunshot wound. And with what was this cut on the wrist made? 
With this razor blade. What did you find there? The back of the top dresser drawer, Tommy. You missed it. When the automobile of Charles Stomach was found near the beaten Malibu Road, it appeared that things. Yes, on the left side of the seat cushion and on the left side of the steering wheel. And could Stomach have shot himself, went in the apartment, and then have driven to the beach? Yes, he could have. This photograph is a floor and part of the wall of the apartment. You see that the splotches of blood indicate that they were made by a man swinging his arm from front to rear like this. Whereas, had they been the results of blows being dealt by another man, or any normal movement, they would have struck from this angle. It would have indicated a forward movement. After driving his car to the beach, what action is indicated by the condition of the body? Well, I'd say that the man waded into the water a distance sufficient to assure his body sinking, and he caught himself just below the heart. You would try any motives for such an act? In June of this year, Charles Selmack took out an insurance policy in the amount of $3,000 payable to his brother Paul living in New York. He had a previous policy for $1,000, but the new policy was not payable in case of suicide. Was this policy payable in case of death from any other cause? Yes. Besides, he had recently been making an effort to establish a double indemnity clause in the policy, payable in case of accidental death. And would his murder have been construed as uh, accidental death? I believe the court is so ruled. I believe I can add much more. Why didn't you tell me about that policy? Where'd you find it? Stuck in behind one of those pictures you so carefully copied. Okay, you win. John Doe, number 71, murdered himself. So the case of John Doe, number 71, was closed with a verdict of suicide. On October 27, 1934, word came from New York that Paul Selmack, brother of the dead man, had also killed himself. It was learned that in 1922, the father of the two boys had died... In a similar manner. $600 million annually. That's what automotive engineers estimate the nation's automobile repair bill to be. They declare that more than one half of its staggering expense is caused by faulty lubrication. $300 million. A small part of it may be yours. There is one way that you can stay on the safe side, and that is to put your lubrication problem entirely in the hands of your neighborhood Rio Grande dealer. Only he can give you the advantages of the Sinclair Law of Lubrication. The Sinclair Law of Lubrication definitely takes the guesswork out of car maintenance and automatically indicates the proper grade of oil for your car in consideration of its age, make, and month. He handles the internationally famous Sinclair Motor Oil, Sinclair Pennsylvania, and Sinclair Opening, both de-waxed and de-jellied to give you complete lubricating quality. Sinclair oils will not break down under the most ruining conditions of summer heat and wear. They have been selected on performance basis by eight major airlines, 150 railroads, and millions of motors in 45 nations of the world. Save money. Save your car. Sinclair eyes for safety at your Rio Grande dealer. And now Inspector Hoffer has a parting word. Once more, as always, we find that crime, though motivated by a spirit of self-sacrifice, such as moves Charles Selmack, is nevertheless a crime and does not pay. I wish to express my thanks to the officers concerned in this case, both from the police department and the sheriff's office, for their splendid work and the manner in which they cooperated.
splendidly, the city of the night, for Rio Grande. <laughs> <laughs> 